Hey, everybody. Welcome to Relish This, the nonprofit marketing podcast. I'm your host, Stu Swineford, and I'm one of the co-founders of Relish Studio. We are a digital marketing agency committed to helping nonprofits thrive. My guest today is Eileen O'Rourke, who is the executive director at GoFarm, and they are a really cool organization in the Golden, Colorado area that serves a lot of the kind of Denver zone, and they bring a, a few things to the table. One is... Um, healthy, affordable food, um, locally grown food. And then they also have a program that helps farmers in their ability to produce that kind of food. Um, Eileen and I talked a lot about GoFarm in general, um, as well as I think one of the bigger takeaways was this idea around um, escalating people's engagement from a one-time donation to a multiple-time donation and being able to spread your revenue out over the course of, say, a year by encouraging donors to participate more than one time a year. As we're coming into giving season, everyone's focused on on this end-of-the-year giving, and which is great, but there's some other opportunities there. And Eileen and I talk about that a lot. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, here we go. Um, I have Eileen O'Rourke on the show today. She's the executive director of GoFarm Colorado, and um, I'm also on the board of GoFarm Colorado, so we, we should have some really fun things to talk about today. How are you doing today, Eileen? I'm doing great, and I appreciate the invite. I love oh. talking about the GoFarm story. <laughs> My pleasure. Well, let's just hop right in with, with the GoFarm story, and I would love to get a give our audience a, a little bit of a peek into how GoFarm was created and, and the mission and how you guys are doing. All right. So I think it probably goes back um, a couple decades because I um, had a pretty established career um, as an environmental consultant. And I was mostly getting paid to look at land use impacts um, from um, with various climate change scenarios. And so that was back in the 90s and, and early 200s, 2000s. And um, it, was, it was a really important foundation for me because I noticed the significant footprint that agriculture has on our landscape. Um, and our natural resources. And at some point in my early 50s, I really started getting disillusioned with being, you know, being the naysayer, um, putting out the, the message of, you know, how critical it is for us to address climate change. Um, and in part, I think the messaging was kind of off, um, but where it put me was in a place where I wanted to stop defining the problem and being part of the solution. And so that's when I uh, took a step back and really um, started looking at wh what do we need to change in our agriculture and food system in the country to make a difference. And I researched local food systems and specifically around the country and learned a lot. Um, ended up landing in Colorado where I was living and um, wanted to really also 
uh, do something to impact my community. And so I, I looked at the local food system very like hyper locally and then across the state and found that there were some really critical gaps that were preventing us from getting a robust food system in place. And they ended up being um, related to the um, accessibility and affordability of sustainably grown food. And that's so important to me, right? That um, because really in the end, it's all about healthy bodies, feeding or healthy planet, feeding healthy bodies and a healthy community. Okay. So that's of course where I started. And when I say sustainable um, grown food, it's food that is in fertile soil. So really the focus is on growing the soil mm-hmm. as opposed to cash crops are grow, trying to grow for the production rate as opposed to growing for the nutrition, the nutritional rate. Okay? Right. Well, and there's a sustainability issue there as well, too. Yes, it's huge. So what I identified were really three critical areas that I felt needed to be addressed in order to get this healthy, nutritious food more accessible and affordable to everybody. And I can remember um, the first time that I went to Whole Foods back in the 90s. And I walked out of there and I had a a paper bag of, of groceries and practically paid a hundred dollars for it. Right. And I, I also remember how, what a sensory experience it was for the first time for me to go into a grocery store and see this beautiful produce Mm -hmm. displayed, you know, and it was a really, I, it was wonderful experience, but coming out and standing in that parking lot, loading that groceries into my car, I realized, wow, most of the world could never afford this. Right. And even thinking, I can't afford this. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So um, that experience really hit home for me. And um, so then when I was looking at the local food system and the, and the gaps that I saw, there were three things that stood out. One is a limited supply of that sustainably grown food. Mm -hmm. The second is a lack of infrastructure to move that food around uh, real efficiently. Okay. And then third was this growing trend of food insecurity across the state. And when you look at that equation along the local food supply system chain, it's really important, in my opinion, to address all three. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you sacrifice one piece of that. So, for instance, um, we want to make food affordable, but not on the backs of farmers, mm-hmm. right? So, it was that idea that then developed these three program areas that we have today. 
And they essentially start at the producer end of the supply chain and offering assistance to small-scale farmers, mm-hmm. okay? And then on the other end of it are the consumers. And we I wanted to target that under-resourced uh, community mm-hmm. and household. And then what kind of bridges, and that's our community food access program. Right. And then what bridges those two is the our local food system, which really is building the infrastructure needed for that efficient distribution. Mm-hmm. And we do that through this um, refrigerated shipping container model. Right. Where the shipping container ends up being like a mini food hub where you have, and it's strategically located so that you reduce the transportation for the farmer to drop off the food, Mm -hmm. these little mini hubs. And then it's also conveniently located in communities so that they can come and pick up their food. Right. So it's those three um, programs, the food assistance, I mean, the farmer assistance, the local food share, and then the um, community food access, access that are interdependent and allow us to really address the three significant gaps that keep um, a local food system from really growing and being impactful. And it works. And I started the the, the organization. Uh, it was incorporated in 2014. Mm-hmm. Operations started in 2015, and now six years, almost six years later, um, we've grown from zero revenue to a budget. This next year is going to be 1.3 million. That is awesome. Okay. Yeah, it's that's, awesome. That's a really it's good. Really. Having an impact on small beginning farmers by providing them training. Um, we have what we call the Go Farm Incubator under our farmer assistance. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get um, beginning farm businesses um, training, access to land, and one on one mentoring. And as it turns out, what we're trying to do there is train that next generation of farmers. Right. And in most cases, they have they don't have the resources to access land mm-hmm. or purchase land. Right. And very often they haven't grown up on the farm. So they really don't they really need to develop those um, both the farming skills and the business skills needed to make um, a small farm profitable. And right. as it turns out, it, it those first five years are really, really tough. And so it's it's fitting that need for that next generation of training that's needed, okay? Right. And related to that is that um, that by, by doing that, we're then increasing the supply, mm-hmm. right? So then then that's that's training the next generation of farmers, okay? Well, it's demonstrating there's a viable, viable place for, for people to go in terms of, of a career. Um, you know, and if you're passionate about it, it, it's not something that's, that's 
you know, untenable or, or not, not able to be accomplished. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What is now, it after year five that, that causes that, that flip in terms of, you said the first five years are really, really crucial. Um, is, is it just that they understand the systems and it takes that long to kind of get things in place and get processes in place and, and start to pay down equipment costs and things of that nature? What, what's happened? What's the magic at, at year five? It, it, it's all of the above, actually. Um, you know, USDA defines a beginning farmer as anyone farming less than 10 years. Okay. That gives you an idea that, you know, that, that, that is such a crucial time. And it's really until you get the production up to a certain extent, mm-hmm. to, um, volume, that you're able to re- make it, turn a profit. Mm-hmm. Now, part of the reason why it's called Go Farm is it's about you go farm and concentrate on production right. and let us take care of the rest. Right. And so the other part that Go Farm does is builds markets for farmers Mm -hmm. so that we purchase product from beginning farmers and then um, connect that local ag to the community through Mm -hmm. two two ways of doing that. Through our local food share, which is a community-supported agriculture model. So people in that model, people make a commitment to purchasing part of the harvest right throughout the season right and so what they do is they come week or every every other week to pick up of a box of um of produce that we've aggregated among at this year we have we're working with about 30 small farmers okay great okay? and then the other way we're doing that is what we call pop-up markets mm-hmm. and that those markets um, people can, you know, purchase what they want. It's not predetermined. Right. And what's really important about those pop-up markets are we're located in locations that are very convenient for the family because we're working with low-income families. Mm-hmm. And part of the big issue about access is transportation. Right. So we're eliminating that barrier by being right there. So for instance, we're there at Head Starts, Mm -hmm. right? Preschools. They're already picking up their kiddos. They can just walk by the market, purchase their product. Okay. Right. The other important thing about those pop-up markets are, is that we have uh, discounted um, prices and we're able to do that because of our other two programs. Okay. They provide the, the resources and the, um, the product to make that available. And then plus we subsidize that food so that it's very affordable. And in most cases, um, people are using their SNAP dollars okay. or food stamps to purchase that food. Okay. okay. So, and that, and we have that available. And what's really nice about that is we have a program called Double Up Food Bucks. Mm -hmm. So for every dollar they spend on produce, they get another dollar to spend. So it's essentially 50% off in in addition to the discount. That's that's really great work. I think, um, you know, recognizing that 
there are a few things there that I love. And one is, is this cash flow challenge that farmers I'm sure experience. And so by guaranteeing them a, a, a place to sell, um, for the, the course of the season, they, they just know that, that, that they have that those sales are, 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 are done and that money's coming in. Right. So that reduces a lot of uncertainty and, and, keeps them from having to, to spend a bunch of time trying to hustle to, to sell stuff week over week. They just know that it's going to be purchased. Um, so that, so that piece is, is great. Um, and then, and then, you know, taking away that chunk of the, of the hustle piece where they don't have to figure out where they're going to be or where to go to, to sell their, their produce on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and you guys are, are supplying that, consumer base is, is also just, you know, that's like step two. And then, you know, ch- tackling this, you know, food desert slash affordable, healthy food problem in, uh, in, in economically challenged communities is, is, um, you know, just kind of icing on the cake there for sure. Right. Um, how, how have you seen the, the program grow over the years? I mean, obviously you, you touched on budget, um, and, and whatnot, but how, how many, how many people are taking advantage of, of the, either the, the low income program or, um, or the CSA on a, on kind of a, a yearly basis? You know, it's expanded. Um, it's doubled pretty much, not quite, but almost doubled every year in terms of participants, either in terms of, um, trainees, the, and we have three different tracks, apprentices, externs, and interns, mm-hmm. um, or in terms of number of shareholders or households. Mm-hmm. This, this particular year has been remarkable oh, because um, what we've seen with COVID has been a huge need on the two ends of the supply chain. Right. Producers, that what happened with a lot of our small farmers is that they, um, their farmers market channel mm-hmm. or selling to restaurants stopped. Sure. Yeah, I could see so the restaurant being a real challenge. They relied on GoFarm to um, purchase the product. Okay? okay. And we have really good testimonials of farmers that um, have, have survived because we've been around this year. Um, what's interesting is when COVID was first starting and we really didn't have a good handle on the impact yet, you know, we had this, uh, coming of the minds and the staff and just like, okay, what, what is it? what is it that is our responsibility here? Right. And as being part of the food supply chain and seeing all of the vulnerabilities in our uh, global national food supply chain, we felt compelled to move as much food as possible. That was our job. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that is what we've done. Nice. We've been able to add 10 new farmers, and that's not an easy thing because 
it, it means auditing the farmer to make sure that they're um, in line with the, the farming practices that we support. Okay. And, um, and it, and it, it hasn't been easy for the farmer because on top of COVID, what has happened is that they've had to deal with natural disasters. We've had one farm out in, in um, Boulder County that had the issue related to losing all of their restaurant customers. They, were, they had to redirect the water that was, they were using for their crops to, for fire um, mitigation. And on top of that, they were evacuated. And with, with all of that, that was just one farm's challenges wow. for this year. And I, it, there are stories and stories of resilience with these farmers. It's just been absolutely mind-blowing. So I say we've done that, but we couldn't do that without the resilience of these farmers. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, you know, farmers are historically uh, pretty resilient people, for sure. Yes. And, you know, this is an historic year for Colorado, mm -hmm. especially yeah. in the agricultural world. Yeah, for sure. Right? So, I mean, this is no, was no small feat <laughs> no, that we were able to even get through it. The other thing that we did is we extended our growing season by 12 weeks. Okay. Normally, it's a 12, I mean, a 20-week growing season. But we were like, it, our mission was to move as much food as possible. Right. And that meant, mean, meant that we added on six weeks um, before the season and six weeks after the season, typical season. Mm -hmm. um, and just being really creative about how we could keep moving food right. during that time. Right. Well, that's, that's fantastic. So obviously your goals in 2021 are to, to continue to grow and to continue to, to positively affect more people and more farmers and, and, you know, get more healthy food to, to more people out there. What, what are the biggest challenges you see coming up in, in the next, you know, the next cycle? Um, yeah, that, that's hard for anybody to predict right now, but, I can tell you that the other big thing that we saw change this year was double the number of people who are on SNAP or food stamps. Right. Um, come to our markets. Okay. Okay. So that, I should say more than doubled. So that gives you an idea of the need out there. Right. With the farmer. And then with the consumer, I would say that um, one of the positive things that I saw coming out of this year was an increased appreciation for having healthy food available, you know, that were that people knew were supporting their local farmer, their community, that it was more than about just feeding their family nutritious food was about supporting their farmer and their neighbor that, you know, we, we saw households that would never qualify 
right. uh, you know, as vulnerable, be come to our markets. And so yeah. how did that, uh, how did that affect your, um, your revenue in terms of if, if you're distributing more in that discounted frame? So a lot of what we do is um, grant supported. Okay. Um, but what grants don't do is they don't pay for the indirects. Right. And so all of the, the support that the organization needs in terms of functioning mm-hmm. um, that can't be written into a grant budget. Right. Um, that's where we're, we're on a shortfall for this right. year. Right. But we felt compelled to respond. And so the big effort right now is to um, end the year really putting out the, the ask Right. Because, you know, if someone's listening to this podcast right now, yep. they're a consumer or they're a farmer right. or they're, you know, and they care. Right. 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 Um, and this and it not everybody's able to give, mm-hmm. but there are some of us who are and we've got and we've got to give generously, um, especially at this end of year. Right. Because for for nonprofits in particular, you know that sets the budget for the for the next year, right? And uh, it impacts you know what we can do next year. I would say to 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 answer your question, twenty twenty one is probably going to at least look like twenty twenty, right? And and then we could maybe tag on just a little increase that we have experienced every year. Right. Okay. Right. So um, we're, we're in for some continued challenges for right. sure. Well, so there are a few things that, that come to mind in terms of, of how to tap into um, and motivate those people who, who may be able to give a little bit more. Um, and and again, it comes down to some, some cash flow stuff for you and predictability. So transitioning people who normally would, would do once a year, bigger give into a, a a recurring model, I think is is an important thing to try. Um, because even, you know, even if it's a, even if it's a one-to-one, um, you know, certainly getting money in the bank now is great, but getting somebody to commit to a longer term, com- a longer term play with you guys can create some some opportunities for you to have some cash flow um, insights as the year goes on. The other exactly. thing that uh, that that does is it gets people used to this idea of giving monthly and and used to this idea of of you know this ongoing commitment where we're asking them to to move that up a little bit is is less of an ask than asking them to move a big gift up a little bit or a lot in in a one time uh situation it's also easier to wrap one's arms around you know a, a 10 dollar monthly 
gift versus a hundred dollar gift. And even though the $10 monthly is, you know, at the end of the year, more than what they would have spent on a, on a single gift, um, or a single donation to, to your organization, uh, right. it, there's a mental thing that, that is in play where, where someone can say, yeah, I can do, I can do 10 bucks a month. I can't yeah. do a hundred bucks. Um, right. and so just reframing those conversations and trying to get people onto that, that kind of a, of a play can be, uh, can be a, a pretty effective means of, of smoothing out your cash flow challenges as well as, um, you know, actually getting people to give a little bit more than they might have otherwise. Um, it's also easier to go back to those people mid year or, once a quarter or, you know, even once a year, if you have someone long-term giving monthly to, uh, to increase that, that give by, by again, messaging, coming back in and saying, look, if, you know, if you could give an extra $5 a month, which is equivalent to, you know, a cup of coffee at Starbucks, um, that can, we, we will take that money and put it to good use to feed a family for, uh, you know, for three months or right. whatever, whatever that, that math is. And, and we've, we've done those calculations, you know, at yeah. the $20 a month, you know, it provides activities um, and materials to get children excited about eating yep. healthy food, you know, mm-hmm. um, and all the way up to the $200 a month, which provides the farmland for a beginning farmer um, in the Go Farm Incubator program. Right. You know, what what is interesting this year that we've seen is a real um, decline in large donations, mm-hmm. but a major increase in these smaller donations. Yep. And they add up. Yep. You know, they, they it's amazing because... You know, normally we go into um, the end of year uh, still needing to raise about 40% of our donation goals. Yep. And this year, we still have that, that goal because of the number of the donations we received in throughout the year, which is... is I mean, it's a, it's a real testament to, you know, those of us who don't have a whole lot of resources, but we're willing to put that $20 a month in, you know? Well, the other, the other boon to that is your list of evangelists has grown remarkably over the course of this year. And and people, and I, I say this to a lot of, a lot of my podcast guests. And so the listeners are probably getting a little tired of hearing it, but, but a lot of people, people really just want to be supportive and they want to help and they want to help in whatever way that they can. And so providing people with the ability and the opportunity to, to feel like they're part of this community and they're part of this giving, even if they can't, you know, even if they can only give $5 or even if they can't give anything, giving them something to do to help is, is really effective. So that could be, you know, share this with your community, post this thing on social media, um, you know, send this to, to your email list, um, you know, change your donation strategy from, from this one time $500 big donation to, you know, a a $20 a month support or a $5 a month support. Again, your list has grown remarkably. So that well 
Um, again, something I talk about all the time is going back to that well, doing what works again, as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel. Reinventing the wheel is super sexy and, and people get really excited about this new thing. But man, just keep hammering on the thing that works. And mm-hmm. so you know, leveraging that email list and, and leveraging that donor list and knowing that those people are, in, they're passionate about what you're doing. They're passionate about helping. So getting them to, to do something else, it's, you know, it's that, it's that classic sales idea that it's way easier to sell to somebody who's bought from you before than it is to go find someone new to sell to. And, and as people, we, we always like seeing those lists grow and we like engaging someone new. And there's a, a, a serious, you know, satisfaction that comes from bringing someone new into the fold, but just getting someone who you're friends with and who knows you and is, you know, getting them to do something again, it's a lot easier. It's a lot less costly. And, um, and it, and the, the return, the turn on that can, can be a lot shorter. So, um, so, you know, I'm always recommending to just go back to the, go back to that. Well, I, um, I've been thinking about, you know, how to really do this end of year ask, Mm -hmm. right. And to me, it's, it's, there's three critical players in this and go farm said yes when we came together as a staff and said we are going to respond right. yeah we're not sure how we're going to do this but we're going to do it and our farmers said yes right they said yes we are going to survive we're going to be resilient through this and the third piece is the donor. Mm-hmm. They, they need to show up. That What's their COVID response? Mm-hmm. Right? Because we all have one. And it may not be moving food. It may not be growing food. But you could sure support those efforts so that we can have a healthier planet. Right healthy bodies and healthy communities. Yeah, for sure. Do you know how many people have donated this year? Roughly? I, I don't. I, I really, I, I'm, I would say, you know, in the hundreds. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so we've got um, a shareholder base of 750. That's just shareholders. That's not households, but shareholders. Um, so that's and historically over the course of, of Go Farms history, there have been 750 individuals who've who've been who've taken part. Oh, no, as no, no, just this year. 750. It's 750 shareholders. Different just, people. Well, different households. Different households. Okay. Are that participating doesn't include in the CSA. our pop-up market um, right. households. Okay, so that's just the shareholders. Okay. Were you, collecting, were you collecting pop-up information as well? Yes. And that's another, uh, that's like over 800. Okay. And yeah. how big is your email list, do you think? Oh, email list. Thousands. Thousands, plural. Yeah. Okay. 
So that's a lot of people. Yes, right? it is. And, and so one of the things that I try to encourage is, is breaking things down into, in, in, it's the whole, it's the, I don't know, don't love this analogy, but it's the eating the whole elephant uh, scenario where you're tasked with this giant thing and all you can see is the giant thing and taking a step back from that and recognizing that, that you don't have to do it all, you know, immediately that, that any process has steps and any process takes some time. And, and that's what a process is, is breaking down this big task into, into smaller chunks. And so from a mindset standpoint, really addressing that in how do you break down the, the goal and, um, can you share what the goal is for the end of the year? Like how much would you like to raise between now and, and December 31st to 40,000? 40, okay. So $40,000. If you were to just go back to your shareholders and your pop-ups, those people, and, and again, asking from, asking from the pop-ups is a little bit of a challenge. Um, yeah. For sure. I, However, but even that is... I mean, However, what, what yes. I'm going here is that's 1,500 people, right? And so if each of those people gave $4, you'd be well over your $40,000 mark. If each of those people gave $3, I think you're, you're I mean, you're still over it, right? So, Interesting. So yeah. I think that math is right. 15, maybe I'm off by a... Oh, I'm off by a, yeah. I'm off by a, a, a I was going to say, wow. But, that... <laughs> but regardless, so then you add the thousands of people in, on your email list. So if you take all that, if you take that whole community, so I was off by, I was off by a, a decimal point, but if you take that entire community and, and break it down into, if everybody were to just do this, you can get that number to be a pretty small number. And you know that not everyone's going to do it. A, right. and you, you know that some people are going to do more, right? But if you just come at it from this attitude of, you know, if, if we can get a thousand people to donate thirty dollars, we're we're pretty close. Or forty dollars, right. we're we're on it. Mm-hmm. If we can get two thousand people to donate twenty dollars, we're on it. You know what's interesting is this year I had the experience of being coached by a fundraising mm-hmm. consultant, right? And it, the whole philosophy is that you really just have to go after the major donors because, you know, all you need is four major yep. donors giving 10K and we got our target for the year, end of year. Yep. Um, it's been an interesting year to try to initiate that and to see how much effort goes into one major donor too. Yep. yep. And that it's in, in the, I, I can't explain it, but there's pe- people who have it are, are really reluctant to let go of that resource right now in this year. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's where, this diversification of revenue sources is, is key. And you, right. you, know, you guys do that through a number of, a number of mechanisms. One being that you, 
have a certain percentage of your of your your expected revenue every year comes from grants, um, so foundational grants and government grants and other other grant programs, and then another comes from selling product. Right. Yep. So, so selling produce. So you have revenue, so, so you right. have revenue there. So you have a revenue stream from sales, and then you have a revenue stream from from donations, big and small. Um, right. And and I would I would tier those at least three ways: being individual donors, um, you know, small individual donors, you know, major individual donors, which could be any any number, right? Whatever major means right. for for GoFarm, and then corporate d- donors as well. So. What what it's, I would it, yeah, and, and then you can escalate people so you can try and level people up so you can try and get someone to go f- from a small uh, individual donor to a bigger individual donor or put another tier in there you know a small single individual donor to a small recurring individual donor to a larger donor yeah. of of two different types there then right. you can try and escalate that donor list from individual donors to corporate donors so get some of these people who are impassioned, passion, passionate about GoFarm to get their businesses involved on, on a corporate level. So now, you know, now you're getting five, five hundred to ten thousand dollar donations from from corporations, businesses, right? Um, and and you know, all of a sudden, you've diversified that income over you know within the donation space you know, you've, you've created a whole bunch of different tiers and a whole bunch of different ways to, to, to elevate and escalate people from one tier to the next tier. And so, right. you know, just, just coming back there and then again, going back to that well and looking at, at the individual donors that you have over the, over the year, which you said was in the hundreds, just, you know, if you can get them to each of them to give, you know, five or $10, here at the end of the year, if you can get each of them to give five or $10 a month here at the end of the year, you know, even if it's a small amount, like you said, you're just chipping away at it. Yes. And, and yeah, it's a lot harder to go get, get some, someone to become a super, super donor of $10,000 or more. That takes a lot more effort and a lot more time. So recognizing and, and looking at what the trends are this year um, and, and enabling and, and adjusting. Yep. Just enabling those, those trends to, you know, just, just say, okay, here's the trend. Let's go after it. Yeah. I like that, Stu. That's really, yeah. So if, if I were to be pushing hard on, on, the, on this, you know, this cycle and particularly this end of year, we have Colorado gives day, um, which is December 1st, uh, 8th. December 8th is giving. So giving Tuesday is the first then. Yeah. Okay. Um, no giving Tuesday is Colorado gives day and that's the eighth. It's oh, I could have sworn it was the, the first, cause isn't it the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving? The second. Second. Oh, no, no. Let me check for sure. But I know for sure it's the eighth, but I don't know if it's the first or second. Okay. Well, this episode's going to drop on the first. So anyone okay, who's listening. So, yes. so it's the eighth. Okay. So December eighth is your, your big day. Right. Okay. This is a giving season. So I wouldn't stop my efforts on the ninth. I would 
you know, even if, even if you don't get them to, to hop on the, on board on the eighth, I would continue to, to, to press because it's, it's not over. And, and yeah, there's some matching things and there's some, you know, this is a big, a big push for that date, but ultimately, you know, the people can participate when they're ready. So, you know, getting, okay. getting people on board with that, um, you know, really go after these micro donations because that seems to be the trend this year. And, yes. and just, and, and try to extend those micro donations to this idea of monthly giving would be the, th- you know, three of the things that I would, I would lean on pretty hard. Hmm. And then the, you know, the last component being, look, you know, we get it. It's, this has been a weird year and a lot of people aren't able to give, um, right now. Um, you know, if you can give later in the year, we'd, we'd love that. If you can share this today with, with your friends and family and networks and social and all of that stuff and, and provide easy opportunities for people to do that. Um, it's really noisy this time of year too. Um, so you're competing against everybody else out there who's, who's trying to, to accomplish the same, the same challenges that you're facing. Um, but you know, ultimately making it easy to, to get that message out there is, uh, is, is a, a core component of, of that last piece, which is, I still want to help. I can't help financially. Can I volunteer? Can I, can I get the word out? Like just uh, enabling people to be able to feel that, that amazing feeling of, of being able to help somebody is, is going to be pretty key. Yeah. That's good. Thanks. Um, do you have any other giving times of the year? I know that we have some events, uh, that, that tend to be places where people can, can engage with go farm. Um, are there any other things coming up in later in the year? Well, um, there was some thought of a benefits concert. Um, but you know, again, it would have to be virtual. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we calculated the level of effort to do something like that, um, and what we anticipate having, um, in donations, for like an hour concert interjected with, you know, um, marketing pitches, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't think it was going to be worth our time, unfortunately. Gotcha. Yeah. Those those are certainly the calculations to make. Um, Right. You know, you have to have to address what the, what the cost benefit is on, on everything. Um, Yeah. One, one thing that has come up a number of times is again, this idea of people really just wanting to help. And there are, you know, potentially people out there that are, that are influencers or celebrities or those types of people that are, that are not able to do the thing that they really enjoy that much. And right now, um, you know, if you're a musician and you really like giving shows, but you know, that that's not, a, a fantastic option at the moment. If you're, um, you know, sports were hit pretty hard, particularly early on. And there were a lot of, a lot of guys and gals sitting around, you know, wanting to do something. And so 
figuring out maybe some people who are, so I know that we've, we've had, uh, you know, kind of some semi local celebrity chefs, um, engage with Gill farm in the past for the harvest dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but going to people like that who maybe, you know, maybe their restaurant isn't doing as much business. So they have some spare time, um, and mm-hmm. leveraging, leveraging that time and leveraging that time coupled with that desire to assist, uh, and get creative around, around what that kind of thing might look like. So, um, I can't remember the, the chef that did our, uh, our harvest dinner this year. Uh, Chris Medved. Chris Medved. Yeah. So maybe coming up with ideas on how to have invite only webinars where you bring people together and, and see if, if, if chef Chris would be willing to teach people how to, how to do uh, a dish that that might oh, be that's, that's an awesome just, idea. You know, doing that every every month it, it allows him to publicize his restaurant um you know to a to a group of people you know, you know you could open it up but but essentially you know don't even ask for donations up front just at the end say if you found this valuable we'd love to love to have you donate or you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, it's like, give what you can, um, that reduces the, that reduces a a few things for sure. And then record that material and that then can, can be reused. So you could, you could build up this bank of, of, you know, how to, how to do X, Y, Z's. So those might be a few things to think about. I like it. Awesome. Yeah. So I like to ask two questions. We, I mean, that, that went super fast. Um, I like to ask a couple <laughs> questions at the end of my shows. The first is, is what was your, what's a takeaway from our conversation that you think you might be able to, to act on here either right at the end of the year or, or as a go forward um, idea? Um, I liked your, you know, pulling it together that look, look at the trends and go with the trend. And, um, that, yeah. Why, why try to fight that? Like, like use that to strategize. And, um, so I've still been pushing, even though in my head, I've been, um, understanding that, you know, major donors are not showing up. I still want, don't want to give up hope. (laughs) So there's still a lot of level of effort that's going in that direction. But what if I redirected that energy I'm putting into that, into what you're saying? You know, um, I really like the emphasis that you're giving to reoccurring, monthly reoccurring. Um, I think that that rings true. It, it really helped me to hear the numbers when you asked me specifically about, well, how many donor donations do you get? And what's your, you know, your community? What's the size of your community that you're asking? Um, that's very telling, you know, that we shouldn't have a problem with this. Well, certainly my math was off there uh, since I, I failed to be able to, to well, multiply well, effectively. Even but, at the 40, 
You know, even with the one magnitude difference, it's still, it was um, an eye opener to. So so at that $40 level, I mean, obviously it'd be great to get that before year end, but if you could get someone to commit to, to doing $4 a month, I know that's $48 and that gets you there. I know. So, so my math was still $4 wrong. But, <laughs> but... Too um, the other thing that I really like is this uh, webinar idea with the chefs. I think that, I mean, that's something I would want to participate in, you know, just to, oh, wouldn't that be fun I think to just, so. you know, hang on a webinar and see a recipe being built and, yeah, I mean, there's and, some logistics like challenges, but just but, to watch yeah. him uh, do his thing because he's been on um, public re- um, television, and you know, and he's well, he's good. Yeah. yeah he <laughs> so that's that's pretty cool idea. So that, cool. that's really neat. Well, I would love to see that happen. I think that 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 would I be know. really neat. I think I'm going to put that in play for sure. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. So the the last question I'd like to ask, and this is super, you know, you can get as weird as you want with this, but it's, I, I like the idea of, of action. Um, there's a lot of talk out there. There's a lot of people, you know, making plans, but never actually doing anything. So for our listeners, knowing that this is going to drop on December 1st, of 2020, what, uh, what would you like for them to do as an, as an action item after listening to the, to the show today? The easy answer is donate. But I think I, 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 the action is more than that. To really become an advocate and Learn why we need to support local food systems and our local ag and and the the health benefits to ourselves and our community and the planet when we do that. I love it. I think that's a great thing for people to do. And so they can do that at Go Farm. Co-op.org. Co-op.org. So go farm coop.org is a exactly. is a great place to to engage and learn more about how how important this ecosystem of our local food is. Exactly. Well, thank you for being on the show today. I I had a really great time talking with you and learning more, even more about GoFarm than I even knew. And <laughs> and I think I knew quite a bit as a board member. So um, it was great to learn more and to talk with you today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Too. Yeah, thank you for the invite. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Relish of This, the nonprofit marketing podcast. If you want to continue the conversation and see how we can unearth some gold for your organization, head over to relishstudio.com slash podcast to sign up to be a guest on the show. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Relish This.